What are you going to do now? Try the movies again? Hello and welcome back to Academy Queens. Uh, we have for you here something we have not done yet, though we have had people telling us that we should be doing it for a while now. We are here today to discuss the seven Oscar nominations of Jane Fonda as if they were all nominated in one category and rank them from seventh to first. And um, Joey, how excited are you? I'm actually really, really excited about this. This is like one of those like, you know, we've been doing rankings for 40 plus episodes now, but now now that we've gotten through a certain amount of actresses, like all of their nominations as of 2020 right now, it's kind of cool that we get to do this. You know, you've heard maybe in a lineup, something that we didn't like uh, due to the lineup may run a little higher here. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, this is a concept that we've had people suggest to us a few times since we began this podcast. And um, like you said, it's going to be interesting because someone, one of our favorite performances from a certain actress might only rank fifth or fourth if they were in a really strong lineup. Likewise, they might be first or second in a weaker lineup, but in the grand scheme of their nominations, it might be lower. So it'd be interesting to see how this um, all plays out. And um, our patrons on Patreon uh, told us to begin with Jane Fonda. So that's how we landed on Jane Fonda. Yes, it was between Fonda and Lang, and Fonda won by one vote. So, I mean, it literally shows you with everything, every vote counts. Mm -hmm. So, um, today is not only a day all about Jane Fonda, but it is a day all about someone pretty special that we have with us today. Um, He is pretty dynamite, actually, here, and this is why I'm going to tell you guys. Not only was he the first this season to correctly predict us with someone else, thus causing the very first Academy Queens tie, but he is also not only the first to do that, but the only person so far to get more than one correct guess in a season. So he's the first honorary Academy Queen to get get it right twice. And without further ado, let's celebrate today with a big round of applause Justin Edwards, two claps for you, sir. Welcome to the show. That's quite an introduction. I feel so honored. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I don't want to say that like I've cracked the code to figure out what you and Brandon are going to choose. Like, it's sometimes I still feel like it's very much a shot in the dark, and there are definitely some choices where I'm like, oh, I did not expect them to choose that. Okay, but. I feel like after four seasons, I'm getting better. Um, I'm going to try and go for that elusive third victory, but I don't know. We'll see. Like, especially with, like, the 2010s coming up, I feel like that'll be your guys' most interesting season, especially considering it's the most recent decade for a lot of those nominees. So it'll be very interesting to hear your, your guys' opinion on all of that. I'm really looking forward to it. Brandon, so, was it just me, or were you getting very Betty Davis vibes there? Like, I must be the first to do three. 
Like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so if I remember correctly, it was 2005 that you um, got correctly? Yes, yes, now, it was 2005. Yeah, how did you come to your conclusion and uh, correctly guess who we would pick in lead and supporting actress? Um, I guess it's because, like, I don't want to say, like, well, so one, like, 2005 holds, like, a really special place in, like, my heart for Oscar viewing because I want to say it's probably the first year that I actually was majorly invested in, like, the Oscar season and, like, the actual dynamics that go into, like, selecting, like, who is going to win the Oscar and realizing that most of the time it's not about who's the quote best it's about how you politic really well and like if there's an oscar narrative to it and who is like really feeling the movies that they're nominated for so i had a really like good idea of 2005's oscar narrative and then when you guys were talking about them like i and especially when they were about to come up i just kind of not knew but i kind of could tell that maybe Brokeback Mountain would be a lot, like, would be very special to you guys, and maybe that would help, because I'm pretty sure it was Williams and uh, the lead was Knightley for you guys, and I knew that those two, I was like, all right, I'm pretty sure they're going to choose the one of those two. Like, it has to be one of those two, then the other half, I... Don't want to say I guessed, but I kind of did because I was like, all right, maybe this seems too easy. There has to be at least one curveball choice they were going to go for. But that's basically the long, short, rambling answer, <laughs> I guess. It's so funny because obviously we record these. So like we've, we've always been pretty vocal. I don't know who Brandon's going to pick. He doesn't know who I'm going to pick. If we have a guest on we don't know what they're going to do vice versa mm -hmm. so it's weird when it's weird but it's fun for us when we hear like for an example nicole was our very first uh academy queen winner and she's she has us down to a science now it's actually kind of creepy how like, <laughs> weird she gets us um mm -hmm. going so it's 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 kind of funny. She's like, when I hear the ep when an episode's released, I have to go right to the end to see if I get it or not. And I think that's so funny to me because if I didn't know who we were picking, I love suspense. I would, I I don't know if I could do that. Do you go right to the end of the episode and hear it first, or do you wait to hear us talk about everything and then be surprised? Oh God, no! Like I I like listen the entire way through. Um, I will say like before I listen to an episode I do try and like guess first like either like which performances Brandon will like the most and which ones you will like the most and I'm also a little surprised by like some of the nominees you talk about where you guys went not to say I wasn't expecting you guys to go a little harder on but that you were a little bit more sympathetic to like the one example that comes to mind was Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain and how a lot more forgiving you guys were. And I really was <laughs> expecting like, oh, they're going to go so hard on Zellweger. And I was a little surprised that you guys, not to say gave her a pass, but weren't so... Harsh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because not to say I'm not in that camp who is really harsh, but I'm definitely in that camp where I think that that win is one of the worst Oscar wins in 
Academy history. And that's why I was very happy that when Zellweger won for Judy, I was like, okay, at least she has an Oscar for a good performance now. Like, we can all rest easy again. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I will say, too, before we get started, it was funny. You actually, again, you were the first one to cause a tie. And then you were the first person to get it right twice. But your causing of the tie was funny. Because I texted Brandon, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, we never thought of the scenario where someone would have tied, which is why, obviously, because you were a part of that, you know, the winner who usually gets it is on an episode. And we're like, let's bring him in for Patreon. It's a super special episode, and he'll, he'll still get that win. But it totally, for the next season, changed how we're going to do things if there is a tie. <laughs> so congratulations for not only being literal game changer, but again, being the first to do two. So one more time for you. <laughs> there it is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, <laughs> I try to disrupt the system as much as possible, and I'm very happy to have made some cause. <laughs> Brandon? Well, um, the nominations that we are here to talk about today are They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Clute, Julia, Coming Home, The China Syndrome, On Golden Pond, and The Morning After. But before um, I give my seventh and kick things off, I'm curious, and I know I didn't prep you guys for this because I just thought of it. I'm curious if there are any Jane Fonda performances that were not nominated that you think she should have been. So, so I'll give you a little uh, minute to think. Well, I'm just going to dive right in here. And I know this is maybe basic of me, but I enjoy the hell out of Jane Fonda in Monster-in-Law. And I know it's not exactly the Academy's cup of tea, but I think it would have been fabulous if she had been nominated because personally, I think that movie is a whole lot of fun. And um, it was her comeback movie in a lot of ways. So I think it would have been a really cool opportunity to honor her for that. And um, I think the Academy shouldn't take itself so seriously a lot of the time. So um, I would love to have seen Jane Fonda in there for Monster-in-Law. But um, Joey, do you have a Jane Fonda oh, yes. performance to throw out there? Am I only naming one? <laughs> you don't have to, but um, one is All fine. Right. I, I, I will stick to one. Actually, no, I'm going to stick to two here because I have a really good argument for the second one that I usually get a lot of shit from when I talk about it. The first one that comes to mind is 2015 is Youth. She got the Golden Globe nomination. She really, really should have been in that lineup. There is no doubt about it. Youth. The other one, and this is where I get some shit from, Lee Daniels is the butler. I think her cameo performance, which would have been probably the shortest ever nominated had it gotten in, as Nancy Reagan, was sublime. Out of the whole star-studded spectacular cast, Yes, Oprah's great. I think Oprah should have been in the lead category there. I don't. I still don't understand why they were pushing or supporting for that film. Um, but Jane Fonda really stuck with me as Nancy Reagan for And I think it had to do with her politics because I remember the hubbub of "Oh my God, Reagan is being played by Fonda." Complete opposites, and Jane Fonda's always said that Ronald Reagan was one of her sworn enemies next to Nixon. So I think when she can bring such a humanity and understand the person she's playing so well. It really showed to me. And I think, yeah, the butler and youth would have been great supporting actress nominations for her. All right. Justin? Um, so, Brandon, it's really funny you brought up that question because I had already made a list of not of films that Fonda should have been nominated for. So I, we're on some weird ESP right there. Um, <laughs> so 
Joey already took one of my selections. I was going to agree with Youth. Um, I think she's incredible in that movie. And I think she's the best part of it, which I find it's a very slight movie. And I don't think it's a necessarily a good movie. But her and Youth, I think she is absolutely amazing. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised, Brandon, that you chose Monster in Law. That was... I was not expecting that choice, but a nice curveball there. Um, so I guess, like, for the sake of variety, um, I wrote down as, like, my other film. Um, may catch some flack for this, but I think she should have gotten uh, a nomination for Agnes of God. Like, I oh. thought she, yes, I thought she was really, really solid in that. Um, and if you're going to nominate, like, one of the two Agnes women, I feel like she is the more, the smarter of the choice. Uh, and I think that she is the emotional, like, not the emotional center, but she's like the the glue that kind of holds everything in that movie together. Um, so yeah, uh, I think if so, I, I would say, yeah, Agnes of God would be my official selection because that's the other thing about, I think, about Fonda's career is that really all of her nominated films, like, they make sense for nominations. And then you go through the rest of her filmography and you kind of think, uh, okay, like I understand, but it's just her, the film she's nominated for, it's like almost perfect. And then you go through the rest of her resume, you don't really have another one that you want to choose, but the one she is nominated for do make sense. But I would have liked to see if like Agnes of God was up in there for sure. So. Now, my question to you is, and I'm, I think Brandon and I might be on the same wavelength here on this thought. I just have a feeling, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> you mentioned Agnes of God and being the one of the two Agnes ladies. Now, if you go back to our 85 episode, memory serves me correct. I think we both kind of agreed that Bancroft was in the wrong category there and Tilly could be either or. So yeah. who, are you, who are you nominating over there between mm. those two? Uh, definitely. Oh, sorry. Definitely Bancroft for sure. Um, and it's not like, not that I don't think Bancroft is like bad in the movie, but you guys kind of hit it on the head. She's definitely in the wrong category. Um, not in the wrong category, but it is kind of shocking that of the ladies that got the lead nomination, it's, she's the one, like, it's almost like if, you are nominating Rachel Weisz in the favorite and lead instead of Emma Stone and Olivia Coleman. It's like at that same level. Um, mm. Like really, like I think any of the three Agnes ladies could have been in lead. And like, I also kind of partially agree that Meg Tilly and supporting makes sense-ish on paper, but I, it does also feel like a kind of a bit of category fraud that she is in supporting considering how important her character is to the story. Um, but if I were to knock someone off, I think definitely Brancroft should have taken the bye and Jane Fonda should have been the one that they went for the lead nomination for. I definitely I, see the argument going both ways with Tilly and Bancroft. Uh, it's a very tricky movie when you break down like the importance of the three primary characters mm -hmm. and how much screen time they have. But I think if anyone's the closest to lead in terms of presence in the story, it's probably Fonda. Fonda seems to be the through line for this story. So I guess it makes sense that Fonda would be the clearest one to lead in that regard. 
But I also dig the Fonda choice um, for a nomination because she's the, I guess, of the three, she's the least showy. It's the more subdued performance of the three. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yes. Agree. Mm-hmm. Man, I like this already. I'm kind of glad uh, the little snafu that happened earlier didn't, you know what I mean? Because this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I like this. I, I do. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when it comes to Jane Fonda's nominations, there's not one that I hate. I don't roll my eyes at any of them. I don't outwardly dislike any of them. But if there's one that I am the least enthusiastic about, it's actually coming home. I don't know how controversial that is in the Jane Fonda fandom, but um, her performance as Sally Hyde in Coming Home, I find to just be the least interesting. Um, It's sort of, in many ways quintessential Jane Fonda. It's, um, you know, it's Vietnam era, well, post-Vietnam Jane Fonda in her very activist days, um, if that makes any sense. And it's clear that this movie is a huge passion project for her. That reads 100% when you watch her performance in this film. But at a certain point, I kind of get it. I see what she's doing with Sally and I know pretty much step by step where the character's going and I don't feel as though I'm being surprised in any way with the performance um it Jane Fonda gets this person this person she understands Sally and there's a whole lot of heart being being poured into this performance but when it comes to putting all of these performances side by side of the seven this is just the one that I'm the least interested in. Okay, well, first off, I'm very shocked that Coming Home is last place for you. I was, I was not expecting that. Um, um, okay, let me, let me regather myself here a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> okay, so kind of to go off what Brandon said, um, I truly think that Jane Fonda has one of the best Oscar resumes of any actor or actress living. Like, you look through the list of nominations, and like what Brandon said, like, there's not a nomination that either doesn't make sense or that you don't see her not deserving the nomination, especially when you look at some other actors and you 
see some films they're nominated for and they stick out really bad. And I think Fonda has like a really good distinction of having a really solid pedigree. So with my rankings, like I love, I like all of her performances, but I would say like my seventh spot would be the one that I'm the most question mark about. So my number seven would be Morning After, um, mainly because a little bit of backstory. So for the longest time, I actually thought On Golden Pond was her last Oscar nomination for a role. I had not heard of The Morning After until you guys talked about it in your episode. And I kind of did a double take where I'm like, wait, Fonda was nominated for something after <laughs> On Golden Pond? Like, and... And no tea, no shade, but I, I know I listened to the episode, but so when I listen to podcasts, I do it while I'm working out. So sometimes I'll like phase certain details. So I remember that when I got the message that we were doing Fonda and I'm revisiting the morning after, I was kind of going in super blind with not having read the IMDb description, not knowing anything about the movie. And then when the movie just opens up with Fonda waking up to a dead body, I was not really expecting that. And I was kind of expecting an entirely different movie. Um, and I will say that for the most part, I like this nomination. And I think that it's a nice little quirky uh, note on her Oscar pedigree. With that said, though, it's definitely by far my least favorite and I don't want to say it's entirely because of Fonda because I think she is really solid but I think the movie just doesn't do her any favors especially because I don't think The Morning After is a particularly good movie I think it I want to say like it kind of forgets its story like halfway through when Fonda meets up with Jeff Bridges and they're doing their romance and their bonding and in the back of my head I'm watching this and thinking isn't there a dead body you're supposed to be figuring out why it's in your bed and you're shacking up with him I, I it just felt very uh, like very much a disconnect and I think Fonda does a good enough job but by the end of the movie I just wasn't really attached to the performance while I can appreciate it and I do like that this is kind of a nice little surprise for people looking through her filmography because I I don't want to say like of her of all our nominations this is probably the one that people don't remember the most um and I do think it's very interesting that this is the very last as of right now the last nomination she's gotten from the academy but with all that said, um, the, yeah, it's seventh place for me, and it's mainly because I just don't think the movie does her any favors, and I think it kind of bogs down the performance. But otherwise, it's good. I wouldn't take it away from her, but also, if she hadn't been nominated for it, I wouldn't cry about it. So Strong right out of the gate. All right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um... I agree with all three, or all three of you, with the two of you. Um, I don't think there is so much a nomination from Fonda where it's like, eh? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, if anything, I think her wins are eh. 
Like, I don't see with else with who else was in the lineup that year how she won either of her wins. Um, so I want to quote Monique, but add a little twist to it. I want to thank Mr. Brandon Stanwyck for going through all that he had to so that I would not have to, because I also agree that coming home is the least impressive of her nominations, and I put it at seven. When you said that, I was like, oh my God, yes. We're right on track so far. Um, for that. Um, yeah, Coming Home is definitely the passion project of uh, Jane Fonda, without a doubt. It is also one of the biggest head-scratching wins for me of the 70s in lead actress. Um, it just feels like this was her revenant win. And what I mean by that is that it was her campaign to win. I mean, there is a People Magazine article from like three months before the Oscars came out that year that they're like, do you expect to win? She's like, oh, absolutely, I'll win. Like, she just like, it was her campaign, I feel, that won her this. For me, to everyone knows my love of Penelope Milford in this movie. I mean, Brandon and I both gave her the win for the supporting actress that year. Um, when your co-star outshines you, I have an issue with that. Not so much an issue, like, obviously, like, the world's ending, but it's just, like, that's how least... that That's how, like, you impress me a lot less than everybody else in the film. But not only that, she's outacted by Milford. She's outacted by Dern. I'm on the fence still with Voight. If we ever get to that leading uh, male category that year, we'll talk about it. But, like... Yeah, Coming Home, I think, out of the seven she's got, for me, is probably her least impressive of the nominations. And again, because she won for it, it's still just... That's a head-scratcher for me. So, that's my number seven. You have been listening to a clip from one of our Academy Queens bonus episodes. If you would like to hear all of this episode and the rest of our sensational bonus content, please prance on over to patreon.com slash academyqueens and join our queendom.